Hello and welcome to the Merseyways podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm part of the communications team at Liverpool City Council. There may be 5,762 air miles between China and Liverpool, but it's a long distance relationship that actually works. I'm stood next to a busy road at the top of Nelson Street in the city centre and right in front of me taking pride of place is one of the city's favourite landmarks, the magnificent Chinese Arch, or the Imperial Arch to give it its official name. Liverpool is home to the oldest Chinese community in Europe, dating back to 1834 when Chinese immigrants arrived at the port. A pivotal moment in the relationship took place in 1999 when Liverpool officially twinned with Shanghai, an action which spoke volumes of the friendship and links between the two destinations. The twinning coincided with the arrival of the arch, which towers above me right now, and this location takes centre stage each year amidst the city's hugely popular Chinese New Year celebrations. In this episode, we want to dig deeper into the city's relationship with China. What does it really mean today? And is the relationship standing the test of time? And with China very much in the headlines at the moment, we'll ask the panel if coronavirus is having a detrimental impact on Liverpool's Chinese community. We're speaking to Paul Calais Grover, who is the chair of the Liverpool-China Partnership, an organisation which looks to strengthen links between Liverpool and China and focus on areas such as trade, investment, tourism, education and culture. Simon Wong, Chair of the Liverpool Chinese Business Association, which promotes, encourages and supports the development of Chinese businesses, social enterprises and community groups across Merseyside. And Jenny Quach, who is the Business Development Manager for Luban, a high-end Chinese restaurant located in the Baltic Triangle. Hi all and welcome to the Merseyways podcast. Jenny, we're going to start with you because we are currently sat in an incredible room in Luban Restaurant, which I think if anyone thinks Chinese restaurant, this might be slightly different than the stereotypical view of a Chinese mm-hmm. restaurant. Well, let's see, it's, I had someone come in a couple of weeks ago and they were like, oh, this isn't a typical Chinese restaurant. It's a restaurant that you'd see in Hong Kong or Macau, mm-hmm. you know, because you started off saying, oh, something like that with James Bond. And I was like, where's it going to go here? And he's like, you know, if it was in Macau, James Bond was in Macau, it's one of those type of high-end restaurants that you'd come into. And that's what you'd see in the film. But there's four different private dining rooms, so it's very kind of different in that. It's different from normal restaurants because there's four different experiences. I mean, five if you include the main restaurant as well. So it's different from anywhere else in Liverpool, mm. but it's different in terms of hospitality that we give as well. How long have you been open for? End of October, beginning of November. So I think our first opening day when we opened for bookings was the 1st of November. So I think it's about 14 weeks, 15 weeks so far. And why Liverpool? Because it's it's the first of its kind really, isn't it? Liverpool because of the history. You know, it's it's got a lot of history with the Chinese community. Um, Scousers love Chinese food. You know, and like... I think it just made sense for it to be the first place for this restaurant mm. with the ties and the Chinese investment. Do you know, like I said, and I think the history and the port of the city, you know, the Chinese community here as well. So they've been very supportive of it. Yeah, they? well, Simon's been to a few of our <laughs> events, haven't you? So, yeah. Good. And how's it gone so far? Has it been successful? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, um, we are usually booked at the weekend, fully booked. So I always say to kind of book two weeks in advance. That's a fantastic yeah. sign though, isn't it? Yeah, for the Fridays and Saturdays, 
We're very busy here. Simon, you're from the LCBA. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your organisation does? Well, our organisation is a, basically is a voluntary people working in the com- working with the community. We are working with the, the rest of our Chinese community, uh, be a bridge between uh, local council and also Chinese uh, councillor Jiang Lo. So we are working as a as the voice of our Chinese people in the city. Does Liverpool's Chinese community differ to other Chinese communities around the UK? Well, of course, it's, uh, every city, they have uh, their local Chinese community. But uh, one unit is that we are working very closely with each other. And all the community are working together as one. That's nice. That's good. And what are the challenges you face in terms of working with businesses and communities? Well, the challenge is um, we have to be always working as the one voice. That means we have to... Of course, uh, we have a different voice from uh, from the small group of other people, but at, when we sit down as a whole, we make decision. Decision is the, as one, so we can spoke out as, as, as represent the, the rest of the community. You mentioned before you work with the City Council. You work with them very closely on the Chinese New Year celebrations, which took place in January this year. What is that an, a good process? Is it an interesting process? Well, as uh, we are, our, uh, our association be established over 30 years now. Wow. And um, every year we run the Chinese New Year's. And uh, every year we get them bigger and bigger. Unfortunately, this year we have a little bit hiccup because it's, uh, this uh, virus come to, the, to the, our country. And uh, of course, it's got a little bit rain on the, on the date. So it has not been very successful, but it's still very successful in, my, in, in terms of the people still not afraid to come out. Yeah, there was thousands of people in the streets in the city centre, weren't they celebrating? Yes, the, every year we have the same situation, yeah. It's great, very good. Paul, you're part of the, your chair of the China-Liverpool partnership. It sounds like you've got quite a hard job to do. You know, you've got to encourage people to come here, students, businesses, want investment. That's quite a tough job. It's not a tough job when you're trying to sell Liverpool, which I think is the, is the easy part of the job. I think what, what we do in terms of the partnership, so we've, we've been established for a few years, but as you mentioned, the relationship with, with China goes back centuries. But in terms of the sort of the more modern relationship, so Liverpool's been twinned with Shanghai now for, for 20 years. Um, we're just in this year now, we're the 10th uh, anniversary since uh, Liverpool was out in Shanghai at the World Expo. So what we do in terms of our partnership, and as, as you mentioned before, we're, ma- we're made up of um, education businesses um, coming together and, and, and promoting, promoting the city. Um, what we do is we look at opportunities for investment into our city, and, and one of the conversations that had um, taken place a couple of years ago has led to the investment in Luban Restaurant, where we are today. Um, but what we also have is our businesses and our partners going into China. And I think that's where we need to work very closely with the likes of Simon and his organisation. So our businesses are China ready. So they understand the culture, they understand some of the language, they understand some of the etiquette, they understand about doing business. And it's a, it's a two-way um, operation. So that's how we work in terms of as, as a team working with the existing Chinese community, but also promoting uh, the civic part of Liverpool into China. 
You mentioned the expo there. For any listeners that don't know what that was, I mean, this is probably going to, I don't know if this is a bit um, bit layman's terms, essentially cities and countries selling their wares. And yeah, their it's, investments. A, it's a world expo in, in the truest sense. So this year it's Dubai's turn. Uh, Ten years ago it was um, uh, Shanghai's turn for, for China. Um, Liverpool was the only UK city which had its own stand. And, and I think that says a lot about Liverpool and where it sees itself on sort of the world stage. Um, and the expo, yeah, as you say, it was cities coming together from around the world, showing off what they're about, who they are. So we had representation from our football clubs, we had representation from our businesses, um, and then very importantly, we took a, a group of young people out there to work um, during the the expo, which ran for several months over over the summer of two thousand. They were young people from Liverpool. Young people they? from Liverpool who will now be in their mid twenties. Wow. What were the results of that? Anything tangible that came from that for Liverpool? So there, so there are some of our members now who've actually got businesses um, that they've set up in China after those relationships. A lot of it has been focused more on sort of the education side. Um, so that has, you know, giving people an opportunity to go out and spend time in, in China in your formative years can sort of help you see the world in a, in a completely different way. There's been obviously a real focus on Europe lately and uh, now we're in this post-Brexit world. Um, is there sort of a vacuum for China to step into now that maybe we're looking further afield to broaden? I, th- I think one of the things, we have a very strong brand, and I think I mentioned that. So in terms of um, promoting our city to Chinese people, they know our football clubs, they certainly know the Beatles. They love they, the football clubs. They love the football clubs, <laughs> they? Yeah, they um, love the Beatles. And they yeah. know about our um, what this city is as a port city. And I think what we found, and, and certainly working with, with Jenny and, and bringing in um, investors or, or visitors to the city, when they come to, to restaurants and and offerings like this that feel more like home, that helps reinforce that relationship. Yeah. So you host a lot of them here, do you? Yeah, so we had a table, like private because we have a private dining room, and um, we got a call from the University of Liverpool. They wanted to bring in a lot of Chinese lecturers to come because they, they wanted something that was quite impressive, but still quite Liverpool, because our, you know, our chef... Is a scouser, but he's been trained in China mm. under a master chef. Is that uh, quite unique to have a... A non-Chinese chef heading yeah, up a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, like and this. you know what? Like lots of like me and my friends were like, "Oh, you don't have a Chinese chef, so how can you say you're a Chinese restaurant?" And I was like, "Yes, but you know, it doesn't matter about the ethnicity. You know, it's how good they are." And he's been over there to train. He's learned the nice skills, and then master chefs are coming over here again throughout the year. Um, barring we're okay with the coronavirus, mm. um, and we're part of an. So our investment comes from Tanjin, Company Chinese Art. Um, they've got a school over in Tanjin, so they bring chefs over here to train apprentices, scholars. I think there's going to be chefs that will be trained up on a qualification of Chinese culinary art oh, wow. here in Luban, and then they'll graduate in China. Oh, that's yeah. This is like then to go on from that, the students, there's a massive Chinese population of students in the city. What is the appeal? Is it what we've talked about before? Is it the football, the Beatles? Mm, football, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, the, yeah. I, I mean, Manchester's got quite a lot as well, but I think Liverpool offers something. It's smaller, mm. you know, and it's quite inclusive, you know, and there's already lots of Chinese that have been born here. So, 
they might just feel as if it's a bit more inclusive than anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, and the, and the universities here have campuses in China, so again, that mm. sort of helps reinforce that relationship. And I think in terms of um, the offering, Liverpool offers something slightly different in terms of the education as well as the sort of the, the living and the accommodation. So it's a, a, a compact, friendly city, and, and I guess that works um, when you're a student being sent overseas to, to study, mm. um, having somewhere that your family wants to come. And I think what we have seen, and speaking to the universities, is that retention is high um, within that community, and, and what we've, we've seen is investment then follows from their family or from other members once they've, uh, people have come and studied in Liverpool. Yeah, so, because we're going to be running, um, so we've got a different style of guy, because they run culinary arts courses, so they did a lot of research, that they found that 50% of students, Chinese students, stay on after they, after the summer, is like, you know, the course is done, they stay on and stay in the city, because obviously they love Liverpool now, mm, but yeah, so they stay, yeah, figure, isn't it? I think yeah. it's around 50%. Wow. Um, You've all mentioned it so far, coronavirus, which is very much in the headlines at the moment. There have been some reports about some um, abuse to some members of the Chinese community, and we've seen Mayor Anderson and Steve Rotherham stand out in solidarity with the community to say this will not be tolerated. Have you got any experiences of that? I personally know, but the community does. That's one of the big issues at the moment, because our country is fighting very hard to um, lock down a city and other city, try to be eliminate this uh, terrible virus. But the virus is not as much a danger as uh, people thought, because you can see a lot of people already recover. Today, Arrow Park released people, gradually they're going out. And also the first one come back from the Singapore being recovered and walk out of the hospital and isolation. So, but our community is working very hard to try to help our country to fight this virus. In one week, last week, we are gathering at the donation around just under 30,000 pounds. We try to use those money to buy the, the equipment to send home if we can. If it's not, the rest of the money will go to the helping those people in the area. Of course, our community is rich to all different parts of the country, but to our community concern, we always tell, advise our community, help each other, um, try to be, not to be panic. Uh, people been in and out of the country, not just Chinese, in any part of the world, they should be isolate themselves for 14 days to help the country. But don't panic. Work as usual if you are not being in touch with those people and uh, try not to be... Uh, spread the, the, the fear or anything, hopefully this, we can get this over. Once it's that over, we can run again. We've been knocked down, but we can run again. And I think it's that point about once it's over, and that's what we're looking for now. So one of the messages we're putting out through the Liverpool-China partnership to our business community and to our sister cities is we're here to help. And as soon as you know the all clear is given, we'll be you know sending delegations in both directions. It's about rebuilding that trust and that brand piece, and I think we need to lead the way on that to show that 
um, when things are clear, um, it's very important. You know, the, the, the Chinese tourism into our country is incredibly important, but it's also more important in terms of that inward movement of um, tourism from the UK. And it's only in the last few years we've really seen a, a big movement of people from the UK going on holiday to Shanghai and Wuhan and, and, and places like this. And I'd, I'd hate to think that there's a long-term um, uh, sort of challenge because of this, uh, what is now becoming a, a not as bad a virus as people initially thought it could do. I think it's just the media overhyping it, isn't it? Like someone said, it's 2%, 2% chance of dying compared to like something like the flu. You know, there's 40,000 people infected, but only 900 people have died from it. I think it's just scaremongering any, more than anything else. Yeah, last um, or two weeks ago now, the Liverpool-China partnership, you were there, Simon, we, we, and uh, Lou Bam was represented. We won uh, the recognition award for the work we're doing in, in China in terms of business relationships. Um, and that is usually a highlight of, of, the, of the calendar um, in terms of that room. You can't move for tables. Um, and it was distinctly quiet. There were empty tables and people were staying away. So people had made decisions not to come, whether or not you know, they, they had um, legitimate reasons for having been in China in the last couple of weeks, but there was a more sombre mood in that room, unfortunately. In 2018, we were host to the Terracotta Warriors, which was an incredible success, 78 incredible, million yeah. to the local economy. So there's like a real interest in Chinese culture. Did that surprise you or would you expect that? And they're amazing, aren't they? And it's a wonder that if you can't get out to China, you can come to Liverpool, mm. do you know? And it's like, Chinese culture is so different, but it's so intriguing. And I think, it, I don't know, I, I've been brought up with two different cultures, so I can see the Western and the East, the Far East kind of culture. And there's a symbolism and significance in a lot of Chinese culture and things that we do, which I find fascinating. And then you tell your friends and they find it fascinating as well because it's so different to what they know but yeah yeah, yeah. I think the way that the World Museum put the story on as well was amazing because mm. I wasn't expecting you know I was expecting to in the same way as you go in and you, you see one of the Egyptian pharaohs just standing there you'd go in and you'd see a lineup of terracotta warriors that's kind of what you expected they were in there um, but you had to weave your way through and there was a whole storytelling piece that you know I took friends and family who know nothing about China and then walked out going I had no idea I had absolutely no idea that you know, this was a story that was running concurrently to stories. And I think that's, that was the point. There was points in time that were told and then where we were in the UK at those points in our history. So you could actually relate the two pieces together. Simon must have been pretty proud with that exhibition. And we are proud because he's the first emperor of our country. But most important is Hitom is a unified uh, nation and uh, also they unify the measurement, the language. And uh, today we are speak different direct in different regions, but, but we are writing as a one. That's very, very, very important. Even I'm the Cantonese, and uh, I have to learn the Mandarin from 20 years ago when I w visit uh, China in our, countries, in our country uh, stadium for the National Day. The three, three hours program it's all in Mandarin except one song, speak, uh, sing as a uh, Cantonese. From that day, I realized our, our, we have to uh, learn the Mandarin to communicate each other. Mm. Today, most of the uh, young people, except maybe a few old people, cannot speak 
Mandarin. The, the rest of the southern people already speak Mandarin. Paul, you're learning Mandarin, aren't you at the moment? Is I that am. right? Yes. How's that going? <laughs> it's going very well. And also the uh, chef here, Dave, um, at the restaurant is learning. Yeah, we're, we're learning with the same, with the same uh, tutor. Um, it, it's difficult. And I think one of the things that you, you have to understand is, is the written language first. So what we're learning is the meaning of words and, and sort of developing a language on, on that basis. Um, it's to help to be polite, but it's also to communicate. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I get to go to China, as, as is the chef here. Mm. I think being able to communicate and the, the point we want to get to, and we're not there yet, so don't test me, is to, um, to be able to converse on thoughts and dreams. You know, that, that's where you want to get to, not just um, hellos and, you know, what is this and I want that. It's got to be um, a flow. Um, and, you know, when I try, people are very um, supportive. Yeah. Are you bilingual? No, so I, well, I speak Cantonese no. with my mother tongue. My mum, from the age of like 16, has tried me to learn Mandarin and I've picked her up lessons after school and then dropped it and picked it up again and then dropped it and now she's like ah oh, well you know you should be learning it now that you're working at Louis Bahan so, but I haven't picked it up again I probably will try but just trying to fit in the lessons um, but one of the things we've done through the partnership as well so through through the partnership our members have access to, as I said to different parts of Chinese culture and one of those that's coming up is language and it, you know it's about being polite and then understanding some other bits. And I think um, a little goes a long way when it comes to um, having Chinese names or being able to converse or being very polite. And I think that that's the key part, you know, when you're um, hosting visitors or going into um, China, it's important. And I think one of the things that um, we can do as a city and looking forward, and, and you do have in, say if you go into Harvey Nicks, uh, they have somebody who's a, a Mandarin speaker because they acknowledge that there's a, a big market for them. And I think if we see more and more businesses having people who can converse, not fluently, um, but converse, that just shows how the city's yeah. ready. You mentioned etiquette before as well, and that's very important, mm. isn't it? Yeah, there's less, like stuff like putting chopsticks and rice, which is bad Chinese etiquette. Right. But, you know, that's why when we first started doing shoots here, they'd be putting those chopsticks and beakers, and I'd be like, no, 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 no. Do you know, like certain things that might seem okay in Western culture mm -hmm. would be frowned upon right. in Chinese culture. Like, I don't know, we're going back years now, the HSBC adverts. Mm -hmm. You know, they were a prime example of how different the cultures are. Yeah. You know, but that's like anywhere in any world, you know. But you'd be quite relaxed if yeah. I came here and put my chopsticks Well, I don't know, I'll be right. over Paul's hands. I can't use them, so I can't. <laughs> yeah. um, so on a final note, if and when people come to Louvain, what's the one dish they should definitely try? I tell everyone to try the one day, one night pork belly. And also the cherry blossom dessert. I was going to say the cherry blossom mm. dessert. It's beautiful oh. and it tastes delicious as well. Yeah. Oh, my mouth is watering. So <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. That's the end of this episode. Thank you to the panel for taking part and thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with the Mersey Waves team, why not drop us an email to hello at merseywaves.co.uk. Thank you.